It's Fire Away Friday. Fire Away Friday. On Exploring the Word, this is your chance to ask us your Bible question at 888-589-8840. That's 888-589-8840. You can also email your question at word at AFR.net or visit Facebook.com slash Exploring the Word. Exploring the Word. It's Fire Away Friday on American Family Radio. Well, today is Friday, and this means all questions, all the hour, exploring the Word. We're going to take a brief break from Acts 13 and the New Testament book of Acts, and today we ask you to call in with your Bible question. The number, 888-589-8840, 888-589-8840, and we look forward to hearing from each and every one of you on Fireway Friday. Bert, I wish you could see the view that I'm looking at. What are you, are, let me ask, beach or mountains? Mountains, western North Carolina. Oh, okay. wow. I know where you are then. <laughs> well, I am looking out a beautiful window at some Appalachian Mountains, and what an honor. And, and Bert, I believe you've been here, but I'm at the Billy Graham Training Center, the Cove. And, uh, you know, I've got a great honor to, I'll tell you what I'm doing here in just a moment. But I'm staring at a painting. There's a large painting on the wall of the birthplace of Vance Havner. Oh, wow. And then uh, a lot of mementos of the incredible life and career of Billy and Ruth Graham. And I just feel like I'm, I'm kind of in heaven, Bert. <laughs> well, listen, we quote those two people a whole lot. Uh, if you had uh, Adrian Rogers and C.S. Lewis portraits there, Listen, you, you would have Exploring the Word covered in quotes. All but, the people uh, we quote, yeah. isn't it? But what yeah. are you doing there? I think it's Second Peter you're teaching, isn't it? Did I rem- yes. Am I remembering correctly? What an honor, yes. Um, and I completely give God the glory, but Will Graham, who is the executive director of The Cove, um, he's invited me. This is my 17th summer. And he always asked me to teach the book of the Bible. Now, last year, I taught through the book of First Peter. This year, we're going to finish up, and I'm going to do Second Peter. And we've met people from Chicago, Illinois, from Texas that have come all the way. A uh, lot of people from Mississippi, a lot of people from the Carolinas, Kentucky, Ohio, and several hundred folks have come here, and we'll get down in, into the Word of God. We're going to pray together. And my prayer, Bert, is that, well, obviously, if there's anyone here who's not yet accepted Christ, I pray that there'll be somebody saved this weekend, and there Amen. virtually always is, but that we would get a fire for revival, a commitment to the Scriptures, and then just to confidently share the gospel. So please pray that the, the Spirit of the Lord would just touch us this weekend at the Cove in a mighty way. Amen. We will. And when you talk about Second Peter, uh, we'll get to her cause, but let me just read a little bit. He says, given all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, of self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. What a book. And I, I'm sure that's where you're starting off when you start with Second Peter teaching, isn't it? Amen. Amen. Well, it is so rich. And folks, let me encourage you. You know, Second Peter is kind of a little bitty short book. It's not but uh, three chapters. And then uh, First and Second Peter, 
I, I know that uh, Luke and the Apostle Paul and the writer of Hebrews, they get kind of a lot of the limelight of being, you know, very profound. And, and of course they are, but don't underestimate <laughs> the old fisherman Peter. Amen. He, he did pretty good for unlearned and ignorant men, as they call them. And, oh, my goodness. Uh, that yes. shows you the power of God in a person's life. So I hope it goes good there. And tell them that, that we appreciate them being at the Cove. I know it's great. But, Alex? Well, yeah. yeah. Well, I got to tell you, all yeah. these people coming in, they say, we wish Bert was here, too. <laughs> uh, they don't need us half time. You know, every once in a while is good. But both of us, it might get overloaded a little bit. But, hey, Alex, I hope you enjoyed. And I know it will be great and praying that it will be a fantastic week for you let's go to the phone lines you ready yes sir well let's go to georgia and talk to joshua welcome thank you for taking my call gentlemen um thank you i have a thought and see i'm gonna see what you see what y'all think okay you know how in the book of revelation it says that the false prophet the, the beast that is set up i mean i'm sorry the image of the beast that is set up in the temple will be given breath to speak. What do you, and with this new AI that's coming out and the way it works and everything, what do you think about the possibility of AI being used to okay. do this? Thank you, and okay. God bless. Well, Joshua, let me make a quick answer. We've been saying for a long time that uh, the Internet, computer, and all of that would have something to do with it, and each thing that it's added, like AI, Alex, it only adds to the reality of revelation when you look at what's going to happen, doesn't it? Don't you think so? Uh, yeah, and I would encourage people to read Revelation chapter 13 and, and really uh, verse 15 of Revelation 13 about the, the image of the beast could talk and those who refused to worship it would be killed. Uh, probably about three months ago, I interviewed a man from Israel who is a a web and computer IT specialist. And uh, many people know Israel has some of the best intel in the world. And I asked this gentleman, this is about, probably about February, I said, how, how concerned are you about artificial intelligence? And he said, do you want the truth? I said, of course. He said, terrified. I said, really? Now, I don't think we ever have to be terrified about anything because we belong to Christ. But, Bert, I absolutely believe in some way that the computers, the Internet, the wiring of the planet, and, yes, artificial intelligence, I think they're going to play a role in the end-time scenarios we read in Revelation 4 through 20. Just remember, no matter what that computer is, no matter what the beast might be, they are not made in the image of God. We are. We as human beings, we were and are. And so, Alex, uh, just God created the greatest one. And I believe you're right, but we need not let fear dominate us, but we also do not need to remain in ignorance. So be alert, be ready, and trust the Lord. That's what we want to do. Well, let's go to Ohio and talk to Tom. Welcome, Tom. Well, thank you, gentlemen, for taking my phone call. Listen to you every single day. Love your program, and uh, you bless the world with it. Thank you, Tom. We're hey, listen, Alex and I love doing what God's let us do, and Amen. we appreciate you calling in today. Go ahead, brother. 
Yes, sir. Uh, well, my question is, I used to be Catholic, and I have converted to Methodist. But when you used to go, when I used to go into the church, we used to take a knee to Mary. Uh, and my question is, is that considered worshiping a false idol? Okay. I, you know, Alex, you and I have talked about this, the things we have in common with those that are Catholics. And on the Catholic scale, and I, I hate to put it that way, I've met some born-again Catholics loves the Word of God, and they remain in the Catholic Church, and they say it's got some dysfunction there. It's got some things, but we feel like God wants us there and to share truth. Alex, is that worshiping a false idol when they, uh, you know, honor Mary in such a way? Well, you know, I, I think only God knows each and every person's heart. They, they use the word veneration, uh, which, and I, I was talking to a priest one time, and he said that, you know, officially they do not worship Mary, but they respect, they venerate. Now, you know, we Protestants, while we would hold Mary in high regard, and even the Bible says, you know, blessed are you among women. But, you know, Mary herself said, my heart rejoices in God, my Savior. Yes, Mary had to be forgiven of sins and saved. And so... Uh, hey, anybody who listens to me know that um, I, I can be incredibly complimentary of what the Catholic Church has done for theology over the centuries. And, you know, we've I've had born-again Roman Catholics speak in some of our conferences, like Robbie George, who's a great scholar I met through Chuck Colson, and, you know, people like um, Cardinal Avery Dulles. But, Bert, we've got to keep it about Jesus. Uh, our loyalty and our worship— belongs to no one but God Amen. and he is first place he deserves it and that's what uh, that's what Paul would say do not let anything have preeminence except Jesus Christ that means first place and John would say don't leave your first love that's Jesus Christ and so Alex uh, we're, we're just hoping people would make much of Jesus follow him he's Lord of all let's go to Illinois and talk to Joan welcome Joan Hello. Thank you so much for what you two do, and, and especially AFR and all the people behind the scenes who make it happen. Amen. Hey, let me, while you're there, Joan, let me just make a shout out. Uh -huh. Brent, Richard, Robert, they, they, Alex and I could not do what we do if it weren't for those guys, and we say thank you for, and Joan, thank you for recognizing that. Go ahead. Bert, I'm a musician, and without the stage crew, the show does not go on. <laughs> you got it you got it girl amen i appreciate them and i know you do too you bet but those of us out here who are listening to you we appreciate the service that you give and it's so important don't let afr ever doubt what they're doing is very important for our country thank you very much thank you joan amen. amen the question that i have is what is what is the difference between the soul and the spirit how would I be able to explain that to a teenager? Okay, great. This is a great question. I put this as, as one of the highest marked questions you could ask. Alex, we went over this a little bit about an animal the other day. Uh, they do have that psychic, which they, they have that, but the spirit they do not have. There's a difference. But it says in the Word of God, and I'll pass it to you, the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. 
And what is it able to do? It is able to divide the spirit and the soul. Uh, they, the, it's hard when they get joined together. Uh, it changes everything. When you're alive spiritually, your soul uh, mixes with it. It changes everything, doesn't it? it? It really does. One of the key verses, and I would encourage you to read this if you would, is in the New Testament, First uh, Thessalonians five twenty three. Your spirit, and the word is pneuma, that's the part of you that will live forever, everlastingly. And and your your psyche, very often English Bibles will call it your soul, but really your psyche is your mind, your intellect, uh, your emotions, and then your body, um, soma, uh, is your flesh. And in Christ, Bert, isn't it wonderful? Spirit, soul, and body, they all three get changed redeemed in Jesus. Amen. Jesus Christ changes everything when he comes into your life. We're praying he's changed your life. He has Alex and me. He has. We'll be back with more right after the break. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. Welcome back to Exploring the Word. It is Fireway Friday and that number because we do have some lines open and we're going to get to as many as we can is 888-589-8840. That's 888-589-8840. We would love to have your Bible question today. And, and we say Bible question. Now, again, we, we're not the uh, ones that talk about all the different things that's going on, events. Now, some of those events, when they're tied into Scripture, we do talk to them, but that's usually on other programmings, but we do our best because, uh, listen, Alex, the reason this program exists is because our president, Tim Wildman, said, man, at 3 o'clock in the afternoon Central Time, we we need something about those shows that are event-driven. We need some that are biblically-driven, and that's where Exploring the Word comes in. Amen. Amen. And we love to get people into the Word of God. Hey, by the way, I want to give that number. It's 888-589-8840. 888-589-8840. Okay, let's go to Texas. And Marie, it says you're a first-time caller, Marie. I'm glad you called today. I am, too. Thank you very much for taking my call. Um, my question is, it says in the Bible that when you accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, you will have eternal life. Won't everyone have eternal life? It just depends on where they're going to spend it. Good question, Marie. Let yeah. me just say this. Eternal life is not just length of time. It's quality. That's what it talks about. Jesus came. I didn't just to come to give you life eternal life, but I've given you abundant life and have an abundant life. So th far as the length of time, you're right. Far as the quality, there is a difference. Alex, go ahead. Uh, you know, here's the thing. The caller is very, very true. Um, everybody will live everlastingly somewhere. The question is where. In, in Genesis 2-7, uh, God made man from the dust of the earth, and it says, that God breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. And see, that's the thing. You know, I mentioned 1 Thessalonians 5.23, that we are body, soul, and spirit. Okay, we know what our physical body is, and our 
soul is the word psyche, from which we get psychology, our mind, our thoughts. But then uh, our, our spirit, um, that's pneuma, or in the Old Testament, nefesh. But that is the part of us that will live everlastingly, either in heaven or hell. And when we put our faith in Jesus, um, our, our spirit gets regenerated, made alive. And then the rest of our life, our psyche, our mind gets renewed, says Paul. And then one day, praise the Lord, uh, <laughs> our body gets glorified. Amen. Amen. It, it Bert, I almost said <laughs> Jesus saves the whole person, doesn't he? He really does. He, he makes the difference. And listen, if you've been redeemed, you've experienced that. Then while you're after you've been saved here upon earth, sanctification and that happens in all your life setting you apart but finally at the point of death it's not just the end of something it is the beginning of something as well and that is being in the very presence of the lord jesus hey if you're not saved we want you to be saved today and we have partners that help you to know that it's triple eight five eight nine uh that's our number triple eight need him i got them mixed up if you need to be saved and you need to talk to someone Triple eight, need him. Although we would lead them to the Lord as well, wouldn't we, Alex? If they call Amen. us, <laughs> we exactly. Will. Amen. It's happened many times. It has. Let's go to South Carolina and talk to Marty. Welcome, Marty. Hey, how are you guys doing today? Doing great. Um, well, just got a couple of things. Uh, first of all, I just want to thank you guys for what you do. Um, you know, there's nothing better than getting the word of God out and, uh, and if there's ever a time that the world needs it, it's right now. Um, and I just wanted to mention that I saw Alex on Right Side Broadcasting, and it was awesome uh, about praying for America um, with wow. uh, Father. Yes, uh, great show. Uh, we we watched it live, and um, I don't know if it was previously recorded, but when it came on uh, YouTube, it was live. So we watched that, and it was great. Um, my question is, um, I've heard of the Passion Translation. Um, it's by the, uh, I guess he's the pastor of Bethel Church. Uh, and from what I understand, he has not completed the translation, but uh, he's, I guess he's currently working on it. But uh, there's some things... Um, that I've heard, like, there's an extra chapter in the book of John. Um, so I just wanted to get your take and your recommendation. And I use an app on my phone. I, you know, I have a Bible, but I also use an app on my phone. Uh, it's called uh, um, You, um, and it's from Lifeway. It's called... Uh, hmm. Okay. Hey, well, let, let me yeah, jump go in ahead. here for go a ahead, second. Alex. Um, and, and I think maybe the basic question might be, is the Passion Translation a, a good one to read? So, so let me say um, the, the, the positive, the, the questionable, and let you make your decision. And to be clear, the Passion Translation is not really a translation because it's a paraphrase. Now, Bert and I have written two books for Broad Street Publishing— and they're a good publisher, and they're the ones that published it. So on the one hand, 
Um, I don't think it's there's necessarily anything wrong with a translation. Years ago, there was Eugene Peterson, and there was uh, one called The Story. Do you remember that book? Probably yes. 25 years yes. ago? Yes, yes. So restating the Bible in you know, conversational language, uh, a paraphrase is, is an okay thing to do. And I really do think uh, Brian Simmons, who did this, he was a missionary, the passion, there's really nothing really wrong with it. I do think it's a little bit um, less than accurate to use in the title of the Passion Translation, because it's not really a translation of Hebrew and Greek to English, but it's, it's a paraphrase. Now, as such, and, you know, remember Ken Taylor in The Living Bible, The Living Bible, which many people read for decades, it wasn't a translation either. It was a paraphrase. So this isn't the first time it's been done. Now, because it's more of a paraphrase than a word-for-word literal translation, BibleGateway.com, which is an app that we use, BibleGateway.com dropped it. And a lot of people said, uh-oh, that must mean it was heretical. It is not heretical. It's nothing nothing bad. But BibleGateway.com has in its free website and app translations, not paraphrases. So let me just say this. Um, I don't think there's anything wrong with reading paraphrases, but understand that the Word of God, whether it's your King James, New King James, um, New American Standard, Bert, those are your word-for-word translations, aren't they? They are. Let me give you a suggestion here. If you use Passion, the Living Bible, or others that are paraphrased, uh, let treat them a little bit like a, a commentary. Uh, my, I Good found word. out that if I read one that's they, – they're more rigid. Good translations, uh, it's hard sometimes to make them smooth as, as from – from the Greek or Hebrew or Aramaic to English, but you get an accuracy of it. And with a paraphrase, you do not get the accuracy. And so I've suggested get you a Bible where you can read alongside and some of the words that you might understand or the way that's stated in the translation, they help you with the paraphrase. And I've suggested that, and a lot of folks said that really has helped. So we hope that helps you, uh, Marty. And thank you, brother, for listening and for calling. Let's go to Mississippi and talk to Lindsay. Welcome, Lindsay. Hey, I was calling to ask about the um, the parable in Matthew 22 of the wedding feast. Okay. Yeah, what about it? Yes. I, I, I kinda, I've been reading it a couple mornings, but I've kind of got lost and confused. So he invited the, um, the people, like strangers he didn't know, and then one of them didn't have a wedding garment on. And I'm just having trouble interpreting that. Okay, let me read a little bit of that, Alex. You know, a little you catch it. And this is way into the parable, so it takes a while. Won't read the whole thing, but verse 11 before you get to the 12. But when the king came to see the guest, he saw a man there who did not have on a wedding garment. So he said to him, Friend, how did you come in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then the king said to the servants, Bind him hand and foot, Take him away and cast him into the outer darkness that there were weeping and gnashing of teeth, for many are called, but few are chosen. Alex, uh, let me see. Let me give you one illustration. Jesus identified Judas Iscariot, who had a demon from the very beginning, and he didn't get past reality. No one's really going to get past uh, God in trying to fool him, are they? 
No, because he sees the heart, doesn't he? He really does. And and this that's why the Bible says, examine yourself and see if ye be in the faith. You know, and Jeremiah 17 warns us about the the capability of the human heart for wickedness. And that's why, look, um, we can deceive others, but heaven forbid that we deceive ourselves. And we go through the motions and we think, well, you know, I'm, I'm not such a bad guy. I'm a pretty good person. No, God sees our heart. And that's why repeatedly the Word of God tells us that we have to be born again. We need to be saved, converted. The Bible uses a number of words because, do you know, Bert, um, everybody's going to stand before God. And it, and it really, it's, it's um, frankly, just frightening to think about. Imagine standing before God and saying, but, but, hey, I was a good person. I wasn't, I wasn't any worse than anybody else. The question is, do you know Jesus? And, um, you know, it says, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. You, you can't fool God in this life or the next, but what you can do is be ready by putting your faith in the Lord Jesus, and you'll be completely forgiven and saved. The wedding garment is clothing. We're not to be clothed in our own righteousness. We've got to be clothed in his righteousness. We come in by him and through him is the only way that this is going to happen, Lindsay. And again, no one gets past that, as Alex said. Let's go to Georgia and talk to Jeff. Welcome, Jeff. Hey, thank you, Brother Bert and Alex. Uh, I really appreciate you guys and everything that you're doing. And... Uh, just thank the Lord for you. So, thank you, Jeff. I, uh, I thank you, com- man. I have a thank you. I have a comment. I had an epiphany a while back uh, that came from the Lord, and uh, it was basically I uh, uh, I finally figured out what being woke is. You know, you hear the term about woke is <laughs> this woke, that's woke. Everybody, you know, all the woke things that are going on, and I've been able to finally. Uh, uh, Narrow that down to a single word. Well, we're waiting. If if I had a drum roll, I'd give you a drum roll. But go ahead, Jeff. Well, I want to get your comment on this, and then I'll hang up and listen. But then if you like it, you can use it. But uh, being woke, uh, the one word that I can think of that best describes that is Satan. Because Mm. everything that being woke is, is against God. And who's against God? Satan. So yeah. that's what I've thought. Uh, I'd just like to get your comments, and uh, I'll listen. So, again, thank you all very, very much, and God bless you. Thank you, brother. Let me make one comment, Alex. He is the deceiver. That yeah. And that oh, one goes. Goodness, that, that's yes. perfect. If you think of the deceiver being Satan, that's, that's, not, that's right on line, isn't it? The Bible uses many terms. Deceiver, a liar, accuser murderer from the beginning. And Bert, let me just say uh, about all this wokeness, um, there are a lot of people that are blind and are deceived. And there are a lot of people that are participating in the deceptions. But look, it's like the the, the woke world is wrong on everything. Yeah. Morals, marriage, gender. And so that's why we need a biblical worldview and to be Folks, the, the most urgent thing that you need to do is to be committed to truth. Obviously, that includes being committed to Jesus. But, Bert, I think we in the church, we need to be the beacon and the clarion call for truth Amen. In, in all areas because our world 
has lost its way. We do, and we need to cry it out. The pastors, the small group leaders, no matter what small group it is, truth, and it will stand. It is settled in heaven. Thy word is truth. That's the word of God. And so, yes, let's go to Virginia. Kimberly, welcome. Hi, I so enjoy listening to your program. Well, thank you, Kimberly. Um, Thank you so much. My question is um, in Mark, the second chapter, verse 14, it mentions, um, it says, Levi, who we know as Matthew, is uh, son of Alphaeus. I'm not sure I'm saying that correctly. Um, and then in Mark 3, verse 18, it um, mentions James, son of Alphaeus. So I was just wondering if there was a family connection between uh, Levi or Matthew and, and James. I was reading this the other day, Alex, and mm-hmm. I was going, I, I, I've got a whole sermon I've developed on the 12 apostles the 12 personalities, and I've preached it, and, and it is pretty neat. And, and then those that we know what happened to them in death, but those also that tradition or, you know, possibility have it. And some of them believe they are brothers. Uh, they, they seem to be at least three, maybe the possibility of two or at least two, but three or four sets of brothers in the apostles. That's amazing, isn't it? I know, I know, and um, you know James, the son of Alphaeus, is in Matthew 15 called James the Less. Yeah. So, so here's the thing: it, it doesn't specifically say they might be, they might not be. Alphaeus is not the most common name, you know. So they are both <laughs> sons of someone named Alphaeus. They are, and let me tell you, uh, God used in my brother was already preaching when God, I surrendered to preach, and I said, Lord, you don't need another brother. And he says, I use brothers. I can use you, and he can use you today as well. Woke up this morning, listening for a trumpet, got to get some glory. Oh, it's a good day on Exploring the Word. It's a good day to be in the Word of God because, Bert, the Word of God has the answer. You know, people ask for our, they'll say, what do you think about? And, (laughs) you know, that's humbling and honoring. But let me tell you what really matters is what does God say about things. Amen. You know, you've heard God said it. That settles it. I believe it. Let me tell you, I know. God said it. I believe it. That settles it. Whether you believe it or not, if God said it, it settles it. Uh, so that's what we go by. Let's get we when we've got a full slate of callers. Let me just say, uh, if you haven't called by now, there's no need of you calling in because we're full. But we're going to get to them as much as we can, and sometimes it'll be Alex only answering. So let's go to Texas and talk to Matt. Welcome, Matt. Yes. Hey, uh, it's, it's an honor to be on with you guys. Uh, really appreciate it. Hey, my question is uh last year we took a trip to a mcdonald observatory we check out the stars at night and everything it was real real not real good and they pointed out all the stars in the north star the guy made a comment or told us that the north star changes and my question is how would that be in relation to the north star of jesus's day okay north star changes I don't know exactly what they meant by that. Go ahead, Alex. Well, you know, and astronomy and the sciences are certainly not my field. I I know that they talk about uh, the North Star, you know, it's assumed to to not really move, but it appears to move uh, because of the rotation of the Earth. It does, um, you know, I 
I don't really know that it, it changes that much now. I could be wrong. But I've often thought about this, Bert, that the same starry heavens above that Psalm 19, the same heavens that David looked up to, that Abraham uh, looked up to, the same stars that were in the nighttime sky when Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, those are the same stars that are up there today. And <laughs> wow. God's God's heavenly canopy is fixed above us, isn't it? It really is. And I, I remember the first mission trip that I went on outside the States. <clears throat> it was in Central America in Honduras. And at night we had the moon. And uh, I thought, hey, my family that I left back in Mississippi is the same moon I'm looking at now. But when you think that's the same moon and stars that the those that you mentioned looked at, that is astonishing. That's let me just say, that's our God. Let's go to Rex in Ohio. Welcome, Rex. Hi, thanks for taking my call. Uh, my question is, in uh, Matthew, there's a scripture that says, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And I see, and I hear these people say, Satan, I bind you and whatever else they're going to bind. I don't know. What does that Okay. <laughs> Thank you, Rex, for calling. Alex, I have heard more. I won't say more. I've heard a lot of different interpretations of that. Let me give you mine. Here it is, Rex. We need to get in line with God. In other words, yes, we have power, but our power comes when we align ourselves with God, and then we speak that in truth, and it has power. Alex, go ahead. Well, you know, um, what's interesting is the word bind there in Matthew 18, 18. Uh, for one thing, it means whatever we declare to be uh, wrong or something like that. And believe it or not, uh, the word, the Greek word is a variation of the word for God. Now, we are not God, and we don't have the power of God, but we do have the ability to speak in, in God's name. And what it's meaning is that when we pray and when we adjudicate things that are in accord with God's word and God's will, uh, and I'm, I'm being very brief here, that it carries authority. Now, now, let me say this. I'm not just saying that, um, you know, in, in God's name, when I leave this building, let there be a brand new car in the parking lot. Uh, I'm not saying that, but at the very least, and there, there really are spiritual implications to this, but let me say this. The Bible is clear on what sin is. The Bible is clear about what salvation is. And when we declare what God says about something, it really is authoritative, isn't it, Bert? It really is. That's what you want to do. Agree, align with God. And, and what we do, we do that through the Word of God. That's why the Word of God being taught, preached on a Sunday morning, taught in Sunday schools, devotion at home, listening to exploring the Word, finding out the Word of God, and you find out who God is and what God's about. So that's so important. And then there comes power in your prayers. Let's go to Louisiana and talk to Stephen. Yep. Hello? Yeah, go ahead, Stephen. Yes. You're on, brother. Oh, okay. Hi, um, good afternoon. So I had a question. Um, I've been reading different uh, translations, um, ESV. I have, a, I have a Holman Christian Standard. My question is, um, and I, because I use a concordance, but also 
what is like the best translation when it comes down to the Hebrew Bible, like words, instead of me having to translate words all the time or looking at what is the best translation that is the best fit for the Bible? You're talking about in the Old Testament, right? When you say Hebrew Bible? Stephen? Well, I mean, I mean, well, uh, yeah, in the... Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. like the Old Testament. So Old yeah. Testament is, is mainly Hebrew, and the New Testament is, is Greek. Okay. Hey, Bert, Go ahead. L- l- yeah. let me jump in here. And, and I appreciate your desire to you know, really seriously study the Bible. There is a Bible called the, the Hebrew-Greek Key Word Study Bible. Uh, and, and Bert, it's uh, the New American Standard, NASB, but it's also in, like, the King James and the uh, ESV, which is a more modern uh, translation. The thing about it is not so much what rendering it is in English, ESV, NASB, but the fact is that it's got a lot of helps uh, for the languages, and the Hebrew-Greek... I'm trying to remember who published it. It might have been Zonder. No, no. Uh, it was um, AMG was the name of the publisher because the editor, and he might be passed away, uh, was a guy named Spiro, and I'm, I'm going to butcher his name in pronouncing. I apologize. Zodi Hadius. Yes, you that's that it. Name? Yes, I do. I know and what you're talking about now because I, I actually yeah. met him one time. Oh, wow. I met he and his son, but he was a Greek scholar par excellent, the Hebrew-Greek Keyword Study Bible by AMG Publishers, regardless of which version, King James, NA, but that, in my opinion, is a, a wonderful reference book it's for a tool, drilling, isn't it? yeah. drilling down deeply. Yeah, and, and let me just say this, Stephen. You mentioned two good ones, New American Standard Version. Uh, listen, it is, it is a strong translation, not not a paraphrase translation it is strong and yes you're you're in the right category let's go to texas arthur welcome yes go right ahead brother oh i was um reading my bible and i got to uh deuteronomy chapter 13 and 14 and 15 but mostly 13 because it says uh, uh you know um about god don't have other gods before you and all that. I've been reading that. And uh, I wanted to find out. Um, I'm, I was an alcoholic, and i just been saved about six years ago, and I'm studying my Bible more Amen, and reading brother. the uh, New Testament on Paul and all the way up to Revelation. And then I started going back to the Old Testament and uh, reading that, I came over uh, Deuteronomy 13, and I was reading that, and there's so much crime and everything on our young kids, and I'm trying to teach my young kids um, the Bible, but they just don't have no, uh, um, what do you call it, um, patience. Okay. Because <laughs> they're hmm. so young. Well, let and, me, uh, Arthur, man, thank you. Praise the Lord, you saved. Praise the Lord for God's deliverance from alcohol and putting the Word of God in your heart. And you started right, John, and all of that. Your children need to get that. But when it comes to Deuteronomy, they need to get it right on. 
And so, Alex, there's some selected verses in those that really register. Some of them kind of, what are you, they get lost in. But if you could find those, like chapter 14, verse 2, for you are a holy people, your God, and the Lord has chosen you to be a people for himself, a special treasure above all the people on the face of this earth. If they could understand that God has something special for them, it really goes a long way, doesn't it? Absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, Bert, the, the Old Testament is relevant for New Testament Christians. And sometimes it's it's hard, it's daunting. Uh, kids will say, I'm going to read the Bible all the way through. Don't you think, and I think that's wonderful, read the Bible all the way through. But maybe for people that don't really understand a lot of the application and all, it's good to start in maybe the Gospel of Mark or the yeah. Gospel of John. You got it. Yeah, and, and that's what I do, Arthur. Yes, and what you can do, if you'll read that and you get over to Mark and Luke and John and you put that, and some of that will be not necessarily repeated, some of it is, but some of it will be, quote, I'm using the word alluded to, that you come out from among them and be ye separate and, and, and be what God wants you to be. But I would select some of those key verses because they, I, I remember, hey, I've been saved a long time, but I remember as a teenager, getting, I got lost in those as well, brother, and I didn't have what it all they have tough, today. And so if they nail down John and Mark and all of that and some Proverbs, Psalms, I want to tell you, you're helping them a great. But thank you, Arthur. What a great call. You've blessed us today to hearing what God has done. Let's go to Oklahoma. Welcome, Katrina. Hi, thank you for taking my call. Yes, ma'am. I'm glad I, you called today. Thank you. I, I have a question. Um, it's mentioned a couple of times that I can think of, but one is in Acts 19, where I believe it's Apollos. They come to him and ask him uh, if he received the Spirit, when, and they said that he said that he didn't know that there was a Spirit, and they laid their hands on him, and he received the Spirit. But I've, my question is, I don't hear about, that's not how, it, not how it is today. You know, when we pray, we repent, and the Holy Spirit comes to, to dwell in us. What changed, or, or what, or has it changed? Or maybe I don't understand no. it. Oh, Katrina, you're right on. If you've been listening to us a little bit in the book of Acts, and you'll especially hear Alex and myself say, this is a transitional time. The indwelling of the Holy Spirit for every believer is at the point of salvation. But during this period of time, there was some transitional things taking place. Alex, help Katrina if you could. Yeah, I mean, you know, um, it's interesting. In Matthew 27, 51 through 54, when um, Jesus died on the cross and rose again, talks about some of the saints which slept arose and were seen. And then Peter preaches and the Holy Spirit falls. But it, it does seem like... Um, the kingdom of God and the new covenant, we're in the new, some say the church age, uh, we're under the new covenant. It, it got kind of ushered in somewhat incrementally and gradually, didn't it, Bert? It really did. And notice it's most of the time it's the apostles. God gave those apostles a certain ministry, and apostles mean sent ones. And notice when most of this happens, it's in new territory. We'd call it pioneer territory and then they needed that and it it validated the apostle that everyone would hear what he was teaching of what he was taught 
by Jesus Christ, and it gave validation to them as well, Katrina. Thank you for noticing that. Let's stay in Texas and talk to Lydia. Welcome, Lydia. Hi, thank you for taking my question. Um, I'd like to know, in the book of John, chapter 5, where it says that Jesus healed a man at uh, the pool of Bethesda, it says that he had been in valley for 38 years, but do you know how long he had been by the pool? Great question. That is a great I, it question. is. Alex, go ahead. I, I have I preached on that uh, three preaching through John and the issue came up. How long had he been there? I think it was more than one or two years, though. It sure does sound like that, doesn't it? For a long, long, yeah, it long does. time, yeah, hasn't it? It does. So Lydia, we don't know the exact time, but he had been there long enough to grow accustomed to it and he it was not unusual for him to be there. Uh I would say a great time, uh part of that 38 years he had he had come to that pool uh beggars and, and I, i'm putting him in that category are those that are asking they usually have routine you know uh go to that place and they fa- find it and they get to know them and i think that's the case do you think so too alex uh, absolutely as and that's he was so grateful when he got healed because you know Undoubtedly, he had just about given up, probably, hadn't he? He really had. Well, let's go to the last caller of the day, and it's from Louisiana, and it's Brandon. Thank you, Brandon, for calling. How y'all doing? Love your show, guys. Well, thank you, brother. You. Thank you. Hey, we uh, ran into a question at Bible study Wednesday night, and um, I got a question. In the book of Revelation, um, the temple that's going to be built, the third temple, does God tell them to build a third temple? Because in the book of Second uh, Thessalonians 2.4, it says the temple of God. So that's where I have a question at. Who, who is responsible for that temple? Is it the Jews just doing it out of content, or who is responsible? Okay, Alex, got about a minute and a half. Go ahead, brother. Well, you know, it's funny. They're gonna, it's going to get rebuilt, but not really for the reasons of the worship of the true God. Uh, I mean, it's going to get some are going to be participating in the rebuilding of the next temple politically, some spiritually. You know, I, I really think and, and I got to tell you, nobody loves the Jewish people as much as me in the state of Israel. But there's going to be some that want to rebuild this temple as a, a desire to refute Christianity. Uh, would you agree, Bert? I agree. And let me just tell you what God does. Remember, Romans eight twenty eight. It's not just true in the individual. It's true in history. God takes all things and he works it for good. That's according. And listen, that's what he's doing now. All of this mess that's going on in the world, wokeness, it doesn't catch God off guard. He said, "Uh uh-oh, I didn't see that coming. And he's going to use it to bring glory to the Lord Jesus Christ. Alex, I'm glad I'm in that category, knowing that he's going to do things right. God is good. God is good. Folks, we thank you for listening to Exploring the Word. I hope you'll be in church on Sunday. Be in church on Sunday. Pray for America and tell somebody about Exploring the Word. May God bless you. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.